Welcome to another episode of American, American Timelines. Time I'm Amy. I'm Earl Vanderkeep. And that's Joe. And we are I'm, I'm Joe. here to discuss. We're here to the take 1980s. our shirts off and discuss 1985. 1985. That's right. We are finally done with 1984. I know it was a two parter, and some of you were uh, upset and bored and sad yeah. and sleepy. That's probably always and sweaty. the case. And. Um, and we know most of you are only listening to this, uh, so you have something to talk to me about at the water cooler. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, regardless of why, yep. thanks. Now we have something to talk about. All right. But let's jump right into 1985, shall we? Yes. we got a lot to cover, so this is probably going to be another two-parter. Yep. I'm not, you know, let's just say it. It's going to take us forever to talk about all this shit. Yeah, it's a lot of shit. 1985 is a big year. Okay, so we're going to keep an eye on the clock. Yep, okay. Uh, was there anything, is there something... We're forgetting. Is there something at the beginning of the show we normally say, or start? We just jump right in. We just go. Okay, we'll just go. We'll just go. All right, we're going to just start with Sunday, January twentieth, nineteen eighty-five. We're going to jump mm-hmm. right to the Super Bowl. Right. Uh, this Super Bowl was Super Bowl nineteen. It was an American football game between the AFC champion Miami Dolphins and the NFC champion San Francisco 49ers mm-hmm. to decide the NFL champion of the 1984 season. Okay. The 49ers defeated the Dolphins by the score of 38-16 to 16 to win their second Super Bowl. Okay. It done was, with that. It was in Stanford Stadium. <laughs> Don't you? We're not Come on done now. with that. You have the Super Bowl ad and who sings the Super Bowl national anthem. All right. And you have to guess both of them. God damn. The Super Bowl ad? Um, is gonna cost. I can't remember what the last one was. Yeah, it's been a while. Four hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Are you guessing the last one or this one? This one. Five hundred and twenty-five. Oh, okay. So yeah. I guess it was the last one. I was. I don't remember. Yeah, it's been I don't either. A long time because we took a week off. Yeah. And then we started splitting in them to two. So it's been a while since we've recorded that. So. All right, uh, and the national anthem was sang by. Um, boy or girl. Uh. Man or woman? Uh, okay, Boy George. Both. Boy George. <laughs> boy George because both. No, no, it was sung by the San Francisco Boys Chorus and the San Francisco Girls Chorus. Oh, I never would have guessed Pete, that. And Piedmont Children's Chorus and San Francisco Children's Chorus. Okay. I, I guess a bunch of children. Never <laughs> would have guessed it. that. So. Yeah, you wouldn't have guessed that. We nope. didn't just guess a bunch of children. Uh, yeah, so that's yeah, probably, that's it was it. probably lame mm-hmm. and dumb and crappy. Yep. Just like the 49ers were. Okay, what's next? Saturday, February 2nd, 1985. Yeah. We have a new number one song on the Billboard charts, Foreigner. I want to know what love is. Oh, that's Foreigner. I want you to show me. Yeah, I didn't know that was Foreigner. I want to feel what love is. There were several covers, though, after that. uh, Oh, okay. Winona Judd covered it. Mariah Carey covered it. Tina Arena. You know who that is? No. She covered it. Nope. Um, But the... uh, Oh, uh, Mick Jones from Foreigner wrote it at three in the morning. This, the lines just came to him for some reason. 
uh, he's, and he said there was just something bigger than me behind it. It just came to me. Mm. I'd say it was probably written entirely by a higher force. So, Jeez. so he thinks God, God wrote, wrote, I want to know what love is. <laughs> I want to know what love is. Yeah. My name is Jesus. Yeah. I'm going to write this through Mick Jones. That's pretty funny. Foreigners the greatest. All yep. right. Uh, Friday, February 8th. Yes. 1985. Um, the movie Witness came out. Yeah. I don't, Harrison Ford. I don't have any memory of that. What it, is that? What is um, Witness? Tell us about it, Amy. I am not sure. I think it's... I'm getting it confused. I might be getting it confused with another one. So you don't I think it's Amish. I think like... It's an Amish movie? Like Done by the Amish? It's a, it's a, he's a FBI agent and he infiltrates the Amish. <laughs> and there's a ch- hot Amish chick that... He hooks up oh, with. You know, I think that's I gotta the say, right Amish one. chicks are hot. I've never seen. So he joined the Philadelphia Police Amish. Department in preparation for the movie, and he even joined them on numerous raids. Harrison Ford did. Yeah. Really. Mm-hmm. And raids, raids of Amish people. No. I it, mean, there's a lot of Amish. In yeah, I don't think the Amish were involved in his his. I hope it's the right movie I'm thinking of. God, I've always wanted to be with an there Amish be a different woman. One. And Jack Nicholson was offered the role too. When he liked the script, he didn't like the director. So. Like Jack Nicholson was offered everything. First. At the time, yeah, probably. And and Kevin Costner. Yeah, that's um that's weird that Amish people would produce a movie when they don't use electricity or anything. Right. Uh Tuesday, February twelfth, nineteen eighty five. It was a big deal. Uh the plastic thingy that saves hot pizza from the top of the box. Oh yeah, the little table. The little table. Yeah. It was invented uh on February twelfth, nineteen eighty five by Carmela Vitali. Okay, uh, it's a smart thing. It isn't just for decoration. Like all great inventions, it was a marvel of brilliant thought, hiding in plain sight. Uh, simply easy to construct and absolutely necessary, the pizza saver, also known as a package saver, a pizza stack, a box taint, or a pizza nipple. A box taint. Oh, box tent, sorry. <laughs> yeah, like uh, box taint. A box taint, we should call that a pizza taint, or, or it's called a pizza a pizza nipple, some people call it. Okay, But yeah. I like pizza taint better. I think too. Uh, it was a brainchild of Carmela Vitelli, a 46-year-old woman living in Dix Hills, New York, on Long Island. Pizza That's nipple funny. was invented by someone from Dix Hills, New York, yep. on Long Island. Um, uh, Vitelli was a doting mother, a loving wife, and an active member of her community who served on city council. Yep. She never had a career as a scientist or even as an en- engineer, but she was quite literally an inventor. Uh, the patent was approved two years later on February 12, 1985, and that package saver proved to be a masterful addition to the art how do you go about pizza. doing that like i you have an idea and then you you just like what do you, what's the next step you know what i need is a piece of plastic. like you have that image in your head what would be the next step in that process well in 1985 i have no fucking clue but now there's probably a, yeah. a website for all that right but I don't know, but she just got tired of all her pizzas getting ruined by so boxes. So did she create one, like in her house, fashion one out of uh, whatever well, was around? I can tell you where she went to high school and what she, her hobbies are. No, I don't care about those <laughs> things. I know I'm asking specific questions. I don't know. Maybe, maybe we should start a new podcast on how to make an invention. I don't know if you have an idea what you're supposed to do. Yeah, but we would have to know the answer then. We just get a guy who knows and interview him. Maybe Armand Crisp knows. Yeah, he probably does. We can interview that son of a bitch. <laughs> Thursday, February fourteenth, nineteen eighty five. Yeah. You're gonna love this. There was a special Cheers episode. Okay. Guest starring Michael Richards. You know oh, who that is? yes. From Kramer Seinfeld, from Seinfeld. Yeah. And this was way, way before he 
right? Uh, Use a bunch of racial slurs. Yep. And now you can't like him anymore. Uh, Sam has to find a woman named Jacqueline Bissett and marry her so that he can win a bet he made when he was off the wagon just to keep the bar. Oh. Kramer's the guy who makes him keep the bet. Okay. And he's he's young. He's not Kramer really. Right. He's somebody else. Um, so I went back and watched that. And this is going to be kind of a Cheers episode because there's another Cheers thing. It's a bit later on. Early on. Cheers yeah. must have started. Cheers was one of the top one of the top shows, so that's why I wanted to find some f- Cheers shows to talk about because it was one of the top TV shows. Okay. February 16th, 1985, we have another new number one because Jesus no longer took the wheel on that's that right. foreigner no song. That's right. know what love is. And maybe he was writing songs through another person. And? George Michael. Oh. Wham. Wham took over the number one charts was for almost a month. Wake me up before you go, go. Nope. Careless Whisper. Careless Whispers of a good friend. Never gonna treat a friend yeah. the way yeah. I dance with you. you. That's the same song, right? And I'm never gonna dance again. Yeah. The way Guilty I feet have got, got no, no rhythm. rhythm. Don't want to, to pretend. pretend. Yep. Um, I have, for some reason, I have like... <laughs> Like four pages of this about this song. Like careless um, whispers. Um, yeah. Unlike most of the other Wham singles, except for Wham Rap, "Enjoy What You Do" mm. and "Club Tropicana," it was co-written by bandmates bandmate Andrew Ridgely. So George Michael wrote it with him. Oh, okay. Uh, and they wrote it in England. And George Michael did say he doesn't like any of the Wham songs except for like this oh, really? one. This one he does like. But did you know there was a song called Wham Rap? It was a rap oh, song. Oh my god. I, Wham did no. a rap song like earlier. It's, it's got to it, be awful. It is. Oh, you listened to it? Yeah. Oh, a while back I listened to it because I, I discovered that. I don't know when I discovered that, but I watched it and it's. Oh. Or I listened to it. It's terrible. It's all about not not working and just living off of welfare and, par- oh. and partying. Oh no! So it's yeah. like a racist kind of thing. No, it's white people doing it. I mean, he's he's just like. Oh. It's cool to it's cool to just live off the government. Why should you work when you can just party and? It's a wham song. Wham rap. It's called Wham Rap, and it's a terrible rap. I mean, Who's rapping? George Michael. Oh, my it's God. Terrible. It's got to be awful. Oh, my God. It's the worst thing ever. Oh, yeah. I that can't remember terrible. exactly how it goes, but it's so shitty and awful. It's like, it's why there should no, yeah. not be white people. Oh, my gosh. Um, anyway, all this is all about Curtis oh, Whisper. This whole page. I don't know why. Uh, oh, oh, here's here's maybe why. Um much of the information is based on George Michael uh, taking inspirations from his early romantic overtures. Uh, he explained that when he was 12 or 13, he used to have to chaperone his sister, who was two years older, to an ice rink at Queensway in London. He detailed, there was a girl there with long blonde hair whose name was Jane. I was a fat boy in glasses, and I had a big crush on her, though I didn't stand a chance. My sister used to go... This is a story he told? Yeah. It's in his autobiography, I think. This, I wonder if he wrote that after he was out or before he was yeah, out. Yeah, I wanted to do what you wanted to go to the skating rink, and I spent the afternoon swooning over this girl, Jane. That's exactly what I thought. It's like, swooning may, over? Like, maybe he had to say Straight it was, guys don't say they're swooning over girls. They don't. No. Old guys may, might say that, though. Yeah, I don't even think. And then he says, a few years later, I had a, a relationship with a girl named Helen. And See, it's probably boys. And it's he probably just, really dudes. Yeah. And he, he probably had uh, to say. That's what I would say. Yeah, especially if it was written before he was out. Yeah. Because maybe he... I, I thought that same thing, but I thought, you know, some dudes try to be straight really hard. Yeah, but he wouldn't have those memories still be like, oh, she was so hot and all that stuff like yeah, that. He wouldn't be right. still be thinking, 
because you know it was a charade so yeah he wouldn't have those feelings yeah so anyway careless whisper is about you know trying to stay true to one of those girls or maybe a dude yep and probably a dude whatever and then another one feeling, feeling bad now i'm gonna dance again the way i dance with you we should we should just sing it we should just no. sing a we should just go on tour singing. We need to not whisper. make this the singing podcast. There is a karaoke podcast. Oh God, that's got to be awful. I can't. I haven't heard it yet, but I see the guy posting. They just do like karaoke that. the whole. Thing? I'm not sure. I got to listen to it. There's just not enough time to listen to all the podcasts. Yeah, There's so many. Yeah, that's always true. But you know the the married married AF podcast I was yeah. talking about. Yep. They had Buff Bagwell on there as a guest, who's a wrestler. Oh, that's right. And I don't know how. They, I guess they know him personally. Oh, friends with sweet. Them. So, I guess they, I haven't listened to it yet, but they interviewed him, and I'm gonna listen to it soon. I like those guys. Shout yeah. out to them. Yeah. And I'm gonna tag them in a post on Twitter. And say, hey, I mentioned you on your on our podcast. I know you said that's how we get it moving. Yeah, but also because they had Buff Bagwell, then they had a connection to him. I'm thinking you have a connection to Ric Flair. You got to get him on. Oh, that's podcast. right. Um, so you're. Trying, you know, that's my. You know somebody who knows his. Granddaughter, Granddaughter. <laughs> so yeah. get get on it. Get Ric Flair on American timelines. All I need is a woo. Okay. Okay. Tuesday, February twenty fifth, nineteen eighty five. Mm-hmm. The Grammy Awards were hosted by John Denver again. Okay. I didn't know John Denver was yeah. this big host. Uh, record of the year was Tina Turner. What's love got to do with it? Album of the year was Lionel Richie. Boo. Uh, can't slow down. Uh, song of the year. Yeah. Was what's love got to do with it? And the best new artist was Cindy Lauper. Okay. Boom. Boom. And Cindy Lauper is uh, not in the WWF Hall of Fame. No. Sorry. Okay. She should be though, because she was in, she was a wrestling manager for a while. She was not. She was Cindy Lauper. She managed Wendy Richter, and she was in there with Captain Lou Albano and Hulk Hogan. She and all did. That. Yeah. You're making that up. No. Okay. WrestleMania won. She was all all about it. All right. Remember Captain Lou was in Girls Just Want to Have Fun. Oh, that's Captain right. Lou Albano, yeah. and he was a wrestling manager. Okay. Um, but I think she had a falling out with Vince McMahon. So Sunday, March 3rd, 1985, Maddie Hayes wakes up to find her st- staff have quit, and all her money has been stolen. One of her few remaining assets is a loss-making investigation agency run by David Addison. Oh, yeah. She sacks the staff, but David is determined to keep it going. Yeah. Moonlighting debuts. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. That's all you got to say is yep. I never really was a big fan of Moonlighting. Yeah, I mean it was all right. I never really watched it when I was when it was on. You're just openly just disparaging Moonlighting. Yeah, I don't have a big memory of watching that show. Oh my god, I think our marriage is a sham. Yeah, I mean Moonlighting is. You what probably made... watched it in rerun. You no, didn't. You we were... watched it. You no, watched we watched it at night. You did. We love Bruce Willis. Oh. And that's before Bruce Willis was. Oh, I he, know. That's he what was made him a, he was not, Yeah, but he was not an action guy at all. He was no, a funny guy. That's he was right. funny. He was like Tom Hanks or something. Yeah, that's know? right. Well, Tom Hanks was funny then, too. Like, he was like Bill Murray or something. Like, yeah. It was Die Hard made him the action guy. That's what made him action. Yeah. And I remember seeing that and being like, ah, oh, David Addison is going to be yeah. that? What? Because yep. he's David Addison. He was hilarious and cool. And the Seagrams, golden yes. wine coolers, it's wet and it's dry. All right. My, 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 stuff like that. I don't know. He was great. We loved that show. It was fabulous. So now the marriage is over because you don't, you didn't appreciate it. So I mean, there's you, so much sexual tension between you done? Sybil Shepherd and Bruce Willis. I mean, just all right, we're done talking about it now. We're not. Yeah. And now the second episode. Of no. <laughs> Moonlighting. No. 
Uh, this is now a Moonlighting Podcast. Also on Sunday, March 3rd. Mm-hmm. You don't have anything on March 3rd? N- no. Nope. Okay. Uh, Murder, She Wrote was another top show. And uh, on March 3rd, Dick Butkus was okay. was on as a special guest. Murder, guess, She Wrote? Yeah, because Angela Lansbury uh, inherits uh, a football team. Oh, okay. She's an owner or something. Dick Butkus is on there and he plays a character named Tank Mason. I hope he bangs Angela Lansbury. Okay, what's up? What else? What Saturday, else? March 9th, 1985. Mm-hmm. We're going to jump right to Saturday because there's a new number one song on the Billboard charts. REO Speedwagon. Can't fight this feeling anymore. Yep. I've forgotten what, what I've, I've started, started fighting for. I got a ship without an oar and something no, to the shore bring this ship forever. and the shore and throw away the oars. Throw oar. away the oars forever. That's a great song. Yep. Um, they, REO Speedway, uh, performed that song. At the night. Speedwagon. What did I say? Speedway? Yeah. REO Speedway. <laughs> REO Speedwagon performed the song at the 1985 Live Aid concert, and mm-hmm. they were introduced by Chevy Chase. Um, so 80s. All that you just said was so 80s. Yeah, isn't that Live Chevy Aid? Chase Chevy Chase. Chase. Introducing <laughs> REO, REO Speedwagon at yeah. Live Aid. Yeah. That's like such a 1985 expression. I feel like yeah, that's a place you would end up on Quantum Leap. You wake yeah. up and you're at Live Aid and you're and next Chevy to Chevy Chase's. Chase's introducing yeah. you as Ario Speedwagon's lead singer. Quantum Leap was a great show, too. Sunday, March 17th. We're going, a, you know, a whole week and a day ahead. Yes. Oh, you have something on March 17th, well, don't it's, you? Well, it's, it, it is, but there's, I, I need some... I need to preface it with some information. Yes. Okay. Um, for 1985, I had to do... You had to do ha- it, when you go when you're talking about true crime. You, yeah, you can't. So there's certain people you just can't skip, or you just can't glaze and gloss over because they're so um, the definition of evil, pretty much. Yeah. Um, I had to do the Night Stalker, Richard Ramirez. He's like the devil when it comes to these serial killers. Like the you know, there's varying degrees of of crazy. And his is this was, is a famous thing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The Night Stalker is, he's up there with like John Wayne Gacy. Oh, I was expecting you to say something. Jeffrey Dahmer. Like, oh, yeah. Of course you got to do that guy. But I don't think I know who that is. Do I? He was the devil. He was the devil? He, was, he called himself that? Yeah, he actually, he did. He was, he was like that. But first of all, born in Texas in 1960, okay. Richard Ramirez was Ameri- um, an American serial killer who killed at least 14 people and raped and tortured at least two dozen more mostly during the spring and summer of 1985. Uh, as a child, he developed epilepsy. He became a heavy drug user and cultivated an interest in Satanism, which became a calling card for investigators at his crime scenes. Apprehended in August 1985, he was sentenced to death at the conclusion of his trial in 1989. He spent the remainder of his days at California's San Quentin Prison before dying from cancer. So, he was born Ricardo Leva Munoz Ramirez on February 29, 1960. In El Paso, Texas. El Paso, Texas. The fifth child of Mexican immigrants, Mercedes and Julian Ramirez. So basically, you just tried to pick something to reinforce Trump's uh, keeping. Uh, right. He's out. he's a rare uh, Mexican American. There's not a lot of those serial killers. Yeah. Um, he had uh, sustained multiple head injuries. Yep, in early there you age. go. That's it. The head he injury. Was, uh, Knocked unconscious by a swing. He a, dress, a dresser fell on him when he was two. Wow! So a two-year-old having a dresser fall on him—that's that's pretty bad. Pretty bad news. Um, 
then as an adolescent, he was heavily influenced by his older cousin, Miguel, who had recently returned from the fighting the war in Vietnam. Mm. Uh, they smoked marijuana together, and Ramel, uh, Miguel told Ramirez about the torture and mutilation he'd inflicted on several Vietnamese women, and then he had photos, mm. uh, photographic evidence. Um, his, his brother was bragging about that. His cousin. Oh, his cousin. His older cousin, and showing him pictures and he of it. all that. And then um, he was there... Then they, there, there became an altercation with the, the cousin and his wife, and he shot her. the cousin shot her in the face, and Ramirez saw he was there for that whole thing. The cousin shot his own wife? Mm-hmm. And, the, and he saw and He's it. a kid. He was an adolescent. Oh, yeah. Um, he would also shot. sleep in graveyards. He was a peeping Tom. Um, he dropped out of school in the ninth grade. He was arrested for the first time in 1977 for marijuana possession, and then he moved to California and got... St- and progressed to cocaine addiction and burglary. Hmm. Um, he was arrested twice in L- the L.A. area for auto theft. Grand Theft Auto. 1981 and 1984. Um, and noticeably began to neglect his personal hygiene. He, supposed to had, he supposedly had like Terrible pr- breath. chronic halitosis. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, shit breath, shit breath. This is the real life shit breath. It is. Yep, it is. It's got terrible breath. ACDC was his favorite band. Oh. And he like lived by their music you've so, been thunderstruck yeah hell's bells so it's like the, the theme song for murder yeah he was on highway to hell yeah with terrible breath i got some really shit breath yeah so he had his first rape before he left high school he his wor- first what rape he worked <sighs> at the holiday inn and he would break into rooms and try to rape women oh and this one time he he came in and tried and her husband walked in and he beat him he beat him up really bad with like a lead pipe. Oh man! And Should have done it a little farther. He was arrested Just at the, the for the attempted rape, but the charges were dropped because they were like passing through and they didn't want to come back into the state. Wait, oh the the people the victims? Yeah, the victims dropped the charges. They just never pursued it. Yeah, the charges were dropped. So um, at 18, he moved to Southern California, and he lived in convenience store food and soda, and his teeth were rotting out. And oh, stuff. man. Sounds like uh, hey. friends of mine. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> oh, hello. Some shit breath friends of mine that eat at gas stations. So You know um, who you are, Keith. Theft turned to violence with Ramirez's first known murder on June 28th, 1984. This victim was 79-year-old Jenny Vincow, who was sexually assaulted, stabbed, and killed during a burglary in her own home. Um, and that was his, like, he, he had no type. Young, old men, women, children, like, it didn't matter. He's killed everybody. That's one of the things that makes him so evil. Like, he didn't have a thing. He didn't have a. Like. And you said, you said a long time ago that it's rare for somebody to kill outside their own race. Yeah. And, and usually. But he'll kill anything, anybody. Any, it didn't matter to him. Yeah. Um, he next struck mere, nearly nine months later on March 17th, 1985, which is where we are in our That's timeline. That's where we are. So this is when he's his second murder. He, um, he attacked Maria Hernandez. So she was getting out of her car in, in the parking lot and he side kind of sidles up to her oh, no. while she's getting out of her car. And he pulls, on St. Patrick's day. Yeah. He pulls a gun and she has her keys in her hand. And when he shoots the bullet ricochets off her, the keys, what? And but she plays dead. She pretends she's dead, and it ricochets off dead. of her keys. Yep. And she gets away. Yeah, she well, gets. She he he goes in then and he kills her. I think it's her brother that's inside the house and leaves, but she survived. Oh my god, she survived, but she, her brother died. Yep. The same at the same exact moment, 
that Tito Santana was fighting Greg the Hammer Valentine in a lumberjack match for the Intercontinental title. Oh, my God. You know, in a lumberjack match is where there's guys on the outside, mm-hmm. and they don't let you, like, if you try to jump out of the ring to get a breather, they, yeah. they punch you and then throw you back in the ring. Jeez. Um, so uh, Tito Santana beat Greg Valentine, I think. I didn't write who won for some reason. but What does that behavior have to do with a lumberjack? All the guys outside are lumberjacks. There's lumberjacks throw punch people and throw them back in rings i guess i don't see the connection but also uh jim the anvil nightheart beat sd jones special delivery jones sd special delivery baby special delivery jones was the name that's crazy so that guy was murdered he probably never even got to see the results of that because that he probably wasn't there live and he probably didn't know that jim the anvil beat sd jones he probably died wondering that. I guess. Poor guy. But at least she got to live. I've never heard of a bullet ricocheting off keys before. Yeah, I know. That's a cool thing. A real quick, quick to just quickly cleanse the palate. March 25th, the Oscars were hosted by Jack Lemmon after that. Oh, okay. Um, Sally Field won the Academy Award for Best Actress for Performance in Pieces in the Heart. Places in the Heart? Yeah. Places in the Heart. And this is her famous acceptance speech where she exclaimed, uh, the first time I didn't feel it, but this time I feel it, and I can't deny the fact that you like me right now. You like oh, me. Oh, that was that year she did that. Often misquoted as, you really like me. She didn't say, you really like me. She oh. just said, I can't deny that you like me right now. You like me. Remember uh, that? I mean, that was a famous, yeah. that's a pretty famous thing. Yeah. Um, and then we go to Wednesday, March 27th, 1985. So, so 10, day, 10 days later after the that's March 17th attack, he... He murders 64-year-old Vincent Zazara and Zazara's 44-year-old wife, Maxine, using an attack style that would become a pattern for the killer. The husband was shot first, then the wife was brutally assaulted and stabbed to death. In this case, Ramirez also gouged out Maxine Zazara's eyes. Oh, he had, um Gouged her eyes out? This is in California, right? Yeah. He broke in at 2 a.m. She tried to shoot him, but there were no bullets in her gun. He um, At the crime scene, he left his footprints, which were these Avia shoes, size 11 and a half, that he would leave at several crime scenes. So a full-scale police operation yielded... While he, while he was doing that, murdering, mm-hmm. gouging yeah. her eyes out, Billy D. Williams, at the same moment, was receiving his star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Oh, wow. Billy D. Williams. Also, on St. Elsewhere that night, while this murder's going on, mm-hmm. the TV was probably on in the background, and it was a crazy episode of St. Elsewhere in that it was a crossover. The characters from St. Elsewhere. Did you ever watch St. Elsewhere? Very. I never no, did. No. Uh, I watched a little bit of this for this research, and that it's got the guy who's the voice of Knight Rider. Is like yeah. One of the main guys. They go into a Cheers. They sit down uh-huh. in Cheers, the bar, and Norm walks in, and Carla's real rude to him, and oh. uh, Cliff comes it's over. Like a crossover. It's a crossover, except it's on St. Elsewhere, so most of it's about these boring ass doctors yeah, talking about it's their not, lives. That's weird to cross over a show that's not a comedy that's, with uh, a show that is a comedy. Yeah, that's not funny at all. And then so. Cliff comes over to their table for a minute and argues with them a little bit. Norm That's weird. comes. Norm was one of their accountants at one point or something. It was real weird. Yeah. It really made the Cheers characters have this weird arc that didn't mean it. It just was yeah. really awkward. Yeah. And then Carla was just real mean to him. Yeah. Uh, and like she hated him and stuff. And that was like, That's oh, these are guys from St. Elsewhere. That's a terrible place. And it was really weird to see. I never knew that happened until I found this. But mm-hmm. that was on TV in the background while her eyes are being gouged out. That's right. So, um, Okay, a full-scale police operation yielded no concrete results, and Ramirez repeated his attack pattern on pensioners William and Lily Doy in May 1985. But so I, I guess we need to stop and yeah, let's go back. Hold, let's hold off on the Doys because I, yeah. we'll get to May in a minute. But okay. Saturday, March 30th, 1985, mm-hmm. Phil Collins 
Okay, so he murders and gauges the gouges the eyes out of what's her, what's that gal's name? Uh, it was Maria Hernandez. No, 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 no. It was Maxine uh, Zazara. Yeah, and so we ne- nobody found out this was that happened. Everybody's like, man, this is un un uh, solved. We don't know who there's a murderer out there. Yep, that's but, right. Turn on your radios because Phil Collins, one more Ugh. night, is the top song. Baby, just one more night. I hate Phil night. Collins. I can't. All right, all right, all right. That's enough. Um, a lot of people hated that song. It was filmed in a pub in London mm-hmm. owned by Richard Branson, the video. All was. right. Um, and Robert Hilbert of the LA Times originally disliked the song, but later praised it, saying that Collins' soulful but polite vocal style is also capable of capturing the pain of going through yet one more night without her. Um but some other guy from Riverfront Times said the song was the worst track on the album. And Riverfront Times? Yeah. That's St. Louis. It's from St. Louis? Yeah. Do you know who Keegan Hamilton is? No. He's from the Riverfront Times. He said that song was the worst track on the album. The album's introspective slow jam wallows in self-pity. It sure does. Yeah, you hate Phil Collins. I do. Uh, Saturday, Phil Collins got me through a lot of bad times in my what? life. Saturday, March 30th, 1985, that same mm-hmm. day. You look marvelous. Yes. Became a big thing. I mean, it was already kind of a big thing, but Billy Crystal was Fernand, played Fernando Lamas on mm-hmm. Saturday Night Live on Fernando's Hideaway, and Mr. T and Hulk Hogan were on it that night, yeah. on Saturday, March 30th. They hosted Saturday Night Live right before WrestleMania 1, because the next night was Sunday, March 31st, WrestleMania 1. Mm-hmm. Hulk Hogan and Mr. T defeated Paul Orndorff and Rowdy Roddy Piper. That was the first. Mr. T was on it? Yeah, Mr. yeah it was a tag team match because they had just done Rocky Three. Oh, so Mr. T and Hulk Hogan I was getting confused. were in that together, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so. But I didn't know he ever did wrestling. Oh, yeah. He, yeah, he. And they that's he kind of helped make wrestling mainstream. Oh, he did? With Hogan and WrestleMania 1. Uh, they teamed up. Mm-hmm. and uh, and fought Roddy Piper. And then he was in WrestleMania 2. Mr. T was in WrestleMania 2 also. He wasn't a very good wrestler. Yeah. But, he, you know, and then they hosted Saturday Night Live together. I mean, they were big. They were best buddies and everything. Butt buddies? So they weren't butt buddies that I know of. But, <laughs> but uh, Mr. T was great. Yep, I know how you feel about him. Yeah, I love Mr. T. All right, what's next? Butt buddies. Um, Monday, April 1st, 1985. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you ever heard of Coco, the gorilla? Yes. Remember Coco, the gorilla? Yes. Coco, sign language. Coco, yeah, he can he can say a thousand words and, yeah. and understand a thousand words in sign language. That's crazy. I miss this whole thing. I don't, I don't remember ever. You hearing don't remember. You never. This is the first time you heard. Coco's about still it? around. I know. It's the first time you've ever heard about it. Mm-hmm. Oh. Well, Coco had pets. Coco is one of the. Th- yeah, the kitten. Yeah, you've heard about this. A yeah. few non-humans. Well, in nineteen April first, nineteen eighty-five, Coco asked for a cat, a kitten, said he wanted a pet. Yeah. And it's like the first recorded history of a non-human wanting to have a pet. Isn't that um, bizarre? Yeah. And so it, Coco even named the pet. Um, Coco had asked for a cat for Christmas, I guess, in 1983. And, uh, oh, no. Yeah, so Monday, April 1st, 1985, like the cat evolutionary. The cat got out of the cage and yeah. got killed uh, in traffic, got run over. And so uh, uh, Coco had named the cat mm-hmm. All Ball. Um, and that's how it all it, ball, all ball. I don't know why, <laughs> but it even was very specific about what kind of cat it had to be a cat, a minx. Oh, wow. Without a tail or something. And, uh, so she chose the kit, the kitten from a litter of abandoned kittens and all ball was the one who died. And, mm-hmm. um, and Coco afterwards signed, um, sad, mm-hmm. uh, and bad, sad, bad mm-hmm. and mad, I think, um, about the cat. Um, 
uh, and it, it cared for it like it was a baby gorilla and even tried to nurse it. Uh, oh. It was very gentle and loving. Uh, and then later that same year, uh, she got her replacement cat. She oh, got okay. her replacement one. Um, she got two kittens the second time. That's mm-hmm. right. And the animal she chose, she named Lipstick and Smokey. Oh. And they were both Manx, Manx cats without tails. Um, and Like evolutionarily... That is very extraordinary. It's crazy. They asked, and they even asked the gorilla with sign language, "Why did you name the one uh, yeah. lipstick?" Yeah, and it it signed that the lips something about Coco answered lips lipstick, and Doctor Patterson looked and saw that the cat had a pink nose and a mouth, a pink mouth. Oh, unlike all balls, gray markings. And Coco picked Smokey's name because the kitten looks like a cat in one of the gorilla's books oh. named Smokey. The cat it's so How amazing. About that? And so, more recently, uh, Coco, in July 2015, picked out two more cats. So, how about that? How about that? The gorilla that has pets. Yep. Saturday, April 13th, 1985, mm-hmm. USA for Africa, We Are the World, is yep. the number one song on the Billboard charts. you remember that song? Yes. We, we are, are the world. world. Of course I do. We are the children. Getting all those assholes together in one room. All those sons of bitches in one big room, oh Quincy Jones. I can't believe they got all those people to do that. Like, I mean, it was everybody. It was. And I watched the video recently. And yeah. It's hilarious to watch yeah. it. I was like, oh, here comes Kenny Rogers now. And now here's... Bruce Springsteen screaming and and here's Whitney Houston and, and here's Michael Jackson and yeah, here's yeah. like anybody you can yeah. imagine was yeah. there and uh, did you know that uh, Lionel Richie wrote it oh yeah Lionel Richie wrote and Michael Jackson I think helped did him Michael, write it Lionel too, Richie gets to sing the first words yeah and the weird thing is back up the time it starts out hello perfect is it me you're no, it looking does not. for you're wearing there that comes same time. shirt I'm wearing that shirt again <laughs> it's my favorite it's my podcast shirt um, yeah Lionel Richie yep. he, so now. I'm glad you've decided to take back everything bad you said. About no, Lionel I Richie. still think he sucks. Um, let's see. It was written by Michael Jackson, Lionel Richie, produced mm-hmm. by Quincy Jones. Um, sold tons and tons of things. So I also looked up, you know, because Band Aid was right around the same time. It was right yep. after Band Aid was in '84. Where they do they know it's Christmas and mm-hmm. and actually at I think it's. One of these, it's either We Are the World or Band Aid. Mm-hmm. Bob Dylan Bob on the microphone. We Are the World. Yeah, he doesn't We Are the World. I think sometimes when he was performing that, or maybe it was the Band Aid one, um, he, because all, all these are for starvation in Africa. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, there was. There was the famine going on. That's what it was. Uh, I knew there was some event that at the time. There 85 was a, had so many yeah. of these benefit things, and and yeah, and it I was thought, such a big deal. Yeah, I thought I wrote. Down I knew what there was, was, but there was must a, have been something going on. There was a huge, Ethiopia, yeah, I bet. Yeah, there was a huge, and part of it was caused by some social things with leaders and things, but it was generally like drought and all kinds of terrible things. But it was a huge famine going on. Yeah, I I do remember that now. And then when all those horrible Ethiopian jokes. Oh, I remember those? I don't know if I remember that, but yeah, probably. Oh, they had all many jokes about Ethiopians being so skinny and. Yeah, that's terrible. Yeah. But Bob Dylan uh, ruffled some feathers because at one of those things, one of these events, I think it was at Live Aid, or uh, he said something about on the microphone before a song, like, you know, maybe one of these days we'll actually do a charity event for our actual, our own country since we have. Bob Dylan's event? Yeah, for our farmers or something. Like, maybe we should help our farmers here before we start helping other countries. Something like that. People got all mad. But then 
a lot of people were like, oh, yeah, shit, you're right. Our farmers are struggling right now. So too. farm so aid. That's when they started farm aid. Willie, yeah. Willie Nelson and yeah. John Cougar Mellencamp, I think, and all that. So um, anyway, there you go. We are the world. We are the world. Yep. <laughs> and then Cindy Lauper does the part. Go, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember they, we would, uh, we sang that song. In 1985. Oh, yeah. At, at My like middle school Christmas teacher. concert or something. Or we always all had pop songs for us to sing. And I, I remember we, awful. we were all... Pretending to be the people in the... No, yeah. Well, no. Everyone wanted to sing the Cindy Lauper part. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we were told, nobody does that. You're singing this as a choir. Nobody does that crazy Cindy Lauper. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Do not. You're not allowed. And it was like a school... Right school concert you know and, and who did it somebody did it i know i think like four of us did it probably. yeah you I, probably I did it no i don't think i wasn't very i was real shy then i don't think i did that i was real uh yeah i didn't i didn't do ever get in trouble or anything. Mm. i was real shy so um also you're you're a beautiful woman that uh, all right what's next i want to take this moment to tell you no. how much what's next tuesday april 23rd 1985 mm-hmm um, Coca-Cola. Yeah. This year, 1985, New Coke. New Coke. Came out, Ugh, right? Yeah. So New Cake, New Coke came out. And yes. they stopped making Old Coke. And people were pissed. Because, mainly because New Coke tasted like... Balls. Awful shit. It tasted yeah. like ball sweat yeah, mixed with shit. It tasted like Santorum. All right. And no, we're not talking about that. Yeah. Uh, look up Google Santorum if you don't know what it is. Uh, New Coke tasted awful and was mm-hmm. terrible. Yep. And you, you don't need a change. They try to make it just taste like Pepsi. It tastes like, yeah, it was like bad. a shittier was, Pepsi. Somebody got fired for that. But on Tuesday, April 23rd, 1985, um, ABC's Peter Jennings broke into yeah. General Hospital to break the news that Coca-Cola has announced the return of the original formula. <laughs> to break the news, to <laughs> return broke it. In, yeah. yep. Only ABC broke it. Peter Jennings was like, motherfucker, yeah. I love some I Coke love Classic. me some Coca-Cola Classic. Rest in peace, Peter Jennings. And it was it was called Coca-Cola Classic for years, too. Coke Classic, I remember, yeah. You and have you'd, to, you'd you have have to specify. specify. Yeah, I want Coke, new Coke or Coke Classic? Coke Classic, please. I'll have a Coke Classic. We should call it that again. Like yeah. next time we go and order. Next time you order that, I'll have a Coke Classic. Don't, uh, diet. There wasn't Diet Coke and Diet Coke Classic. I don't think. Right? I don't think. I don't even know but next time, that. I'm just gonna say, can I have Coca Cola Classic with no, yeah. rum and Coca Cola Classic? I don't think millennials ever even know this happened. No, they don't. They probably don't want a Coke Classic. They'd is. be like, they'd look at you like you're an idiot, and like, they would they probably would, attack you. Yeah, I've been attacked. They'd by scratch a lot your of eyes out. They would. Did you fucking call me Coca Cola Classic? I've, yeah, I've never, if you mention Coca Cola Classic to a millennial, they will gouge your eyes out. We should order that in a Zima. They Zima's back. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it's but limited edition though. Is it? You remember putting Jolly Ranchers in Zima? Yes, I do. That was, del- that was the high school drinking. Yes, it drink. was. It was. It, for those that could afford it, it was. I think it was more it, expensive. I don't think it was that expensive, was it? For our high school kids, I mean, you scraped together money. Yeah, with high school kids, you, you know, you could drink Zima because it was not right. like beer. Right. Saturday, May fourth, Kentucky Derby. Spend a buck, one. Mm, all right. Spend a buck. That's dumb. Remember that one? No. And then, All right, and then, so back to R- Richard Ramirez. A full-scale police operation yielded no concrete results. Ramirez repeated his attack pattern on pensioners William and Lily Doy in May doi. 1985. Stop. <laughs> doi, doi, doi. So um, this one, he was like, she shot the husband from outside. He was outside. 
the house. Gosh, we haven't heard from him since March. And he shot the husband, and the wife heard the... She walked out when she heard the noise. gunshots. And she saw it was... Something's wrong, and so she went back to ring the police, and he shot... So she saw him dead, but didn't see a killer? No, she saw it. Yeah, she saw the guy. She saw horrible breath guy outside. Terrible hygiene outside. She went back, and she... um, went to pick up the phone and he shot her he, he shot her and killed her yeah i don't know if he killed her actually i think she might have survived to this tell is the, first the story one he shot people right um yeah it is but he he had a gun with he does he he has no like a serial killers always also kind of have the same thing like that's why it took so long to catch him because he everything was different everything was shooting different. somebody he's just Guy, random he's just yeah. chaos he um so she survived she did survive, but Bill died from his injuries. Because May 11th, Madonna Crazy for You becomes the number one song yeah. on the Billboard charts for a week. And did you know that Phil Ramone proposed Madonna to record Crazy for You? Um, it was it was written by John Bettis and John Lind. Uh, hold on. Oh, did you know it was from the film, the 1985 film Vision Quest? Oh, I do remember that. Yeah. You remember that movie? I never saw it. It was a coming-of-age drama about a high school wrestler played by Matthew Modine. Yeah. I'm, I, I don't remember Vision Quest at all. I never saw it, but I do remember it. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Yeah, it's a, about a young boy and a young girl boarding in a house, and they dance together in a nightclub. I'm crazy for you. Yep. And I think the video, the video was from has that. scenes of the movie. It does. Yeah. Um, I always forget about that song. I forget that Madonna did a ballad mm-hmm. that early. Yeah. Um, anyway, because somebody, when they first suggested Madonna sing it, they scoffed. Mm. Yeah, right. But then she did it, and, uh, and she it was very it. popular. Yeah. yeah. Um, I sing that song to myself in the shower. Okay. Anything else before, before the 29th? Saturday, May 18th. Um, Madonna's overtaken by... Scottish rock band Simple Minds. You know what oh. song? Oh, what was that song they sang called? I can't remember. This is from another from the film The Breakfast Club. Yes. What song was it? Don't you? Oh, yeah. Forget, forget about, about me. me. Yeah. Wednesday, May twenty second, nineteen eighty five. Mm-hmm. Rambo: First Blood Part Two came out. Never seen any of those. Uh, there was a stunt man named Cliff Wanger Jr. who was accidentally killed by one of the film's explosions. Oh. The crew had a hard time finding Asian extras in Mexico. They eventually recruited enough by visiting local Chinese restaurants. Oh, my God. And John Travolta was originally considered to play a wise-cracking sidekick to Rambo, who who accompanies Rambo. Oh, my God. That would have been awful. A wise-cracking sidekick who accompanies Rambo on his rescue mission in the James Cameron draft. Rambo is paired with a partner. But Stallone decided to nix the role to make it more of a solo vehicle. Ironically, Travolta was suggested to play Rambo in the late 70s when the first Rambo was in pre-production. Okay. John Travolta, wisecracking. Oh, weird. It's so weird oh, here. Rambo. Rambo is so weird. It's like it's so weird here. Yep. Uh, that'd be hilarious. Rambo, what'd you shoot that guy for? It's crazy, you know. Saturday, May 25th, 1985. Wham! Everything she wants is the first. It takes over the first spot, the top spot in the Billboard charts. Okay. Um. Oh, actually, I take that back about Careless Whisper. Uh, George Michael bemoaned much of Wham's material as he began his solo career, but Everything She Wants remained a song which he was proud. Remember that song, Everything no. She Wants? 
Mm-mm. Oh yeah, everything she wants is everything you need. <laughs> dun, 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 give and take. When you show me, you can show you got some giving to do. Now you tell me that you're having mm, a baby. baby. I go. tell you that I'm happy if you want me to. But one step further, and my back will break. If my best isn't good enough, then how can it be good enough for two? To yeah. give you money. Ooh. Oh, to give you money. Yeah. Anyway, he's saying all that out. He sung it. He sang it on MTV Unplugged. I'm keeping that in. No, you cut it off. I'll just make it real fast so it sounds stupid. Back to Richard Ramirez. Richard Ramirez. More murder. So all that was happening in between his murders. Yep. May 29th, he murdered Ma Bell and Nettie Lang, who were 83 and 81. Ma Bell. I got the ill communication. Like Ma Bell. I got the ill communication. Ma Bell did not have the ill communication. She didn't have no ill communication? No, she. Uh, uh, uh. He, um. Keep it on and on. He, uh, like, assaulted and tortured them and... They ended up living for... Two old ladies? Yeah. They ended up living for like three days before they died. Like in misery? Yeah. I mean, he wasn't there all three days. He he just did it. Um, And then he... Left them to suffer? Yeah. And they couldn't call anybody? Yeah. Yeah, they couldn't. Um, And he drew a pentagram on one of them on the bedroom wall. And a a handyman found them still alive. I'm beginning to not like this guy. No, he's, I'm telling you what, he's bad. He's no good. I think you should steer clear of him. Yep, I think I'm going to. Over the next few months, his murder rate escalated, claiming another dozen victims in a frenzy of burglary, assault, and brutal violence complete with satanic rituals. One witness described him as dangerous beyond words. His eyes were like an animal, not human. And the LAPD didn't talk to other jurisdictions because it was throughout San Francisco and all of these different parts of California. So it took a while to connect all of the yeah, murders. Yeah, because it's all it over was all the, the same. Place. And because the MO is all over yeah, the place. Yeah, and you wouldn't think they're connected. Now, why would you? Right. So he almost gets caught. He tries to kidnap a girl, but she screamed. And then he ran. And he, um, he, ran, his, he got in his car and he ran a red light and got pulled over. And the cops asked him if he was guilt- the guy that was going around killing people in their homes, like as a joke almost. Oh, really? Then he didn't, the cop didn't put it together, even though he had just heard the description on the radio. And despite the fact that Ramirez was driving a stolen car, he let him go. <sighs> Great police work. Yep. So, Shoddy police work. So the they, um, Los Angeles Police Department responds by putting together a dedicated task force with the FBI stepping in to assist. Um. Okay, go ahead, and now we we'll go back to your bullshit, and then my bullshit. Yep, your bullshit. I won't sit here and let you call my shit bullshit because so the right day after those poor old ladies were suffering, they actually suffered for three days. So they suffered during the Stanley Cup final. So if a TV was left on in the back, they had to lay there in pain and agony. So did tired. I. Oh God, tearing it off <laughs> while the Stanley Cup finals were on. Yeah. But this was the defending champion Edmonton Oilers in their third straight finals appearance and the Philadelphia Flyers. Mm-hmm. And the Oilers would win the best of seven series, four games to one, Who cares? to win their second Stanley Cup. And Wayne Gretzky was the MVP. And they right. had to sit I thought there. we were going to talk about hockey. Those poor old ladies, well, it's Wayne Gretzky, so we had to talk about that. Those poor right. ladies had to deal with Wayne Gretzky. Mm-hmm. And then on Saturday, June 1st, those poor old ladies are still laying there. And, and the same moment... Randy Macho Man Savage signs with the WWF. Those women were suffering on the floor in mm-hmm. agony. That's right. Randy Macho Man Savage would make his debut a little bit later, uh, but he signed with WWF in June of 85, yep. and WWF just got way better. Wednesday, June 5th, 1985, Ferris Bu- was actu- that was actually Ferris Bueller's actual day off, June 5th, 1985, and that's pinpointed by the data from the Braves and Cubs game that they attended. 
What happened to you just now? <laughs> you say that every podcast. So you, you, at some point, you should get what's happening to me. You're, I don't know if you're pooping your pants or crying or... It's neither of those. What's going it's, on? It's like you had a stroke, I think. A it's hiccup. another mini stroke. It's, it's just a beer hiccup. It's a gas bubble or something. I don't know. It's Sometimes it, sometimes you, it looks like you're going to implode, and then sometimes it's, your voice kind of goes like that for a minute. <laughs> oh, yeah? Well, your glasses okay. are stupid. What? <laughs> I'm sorry, that was a, so there was an actual, you know, there was a baseball game, they go to a game, they skip school and they go to a game, so that actual game, the Braves versus Cubs game was on June 5th, 1985, so that's how we know that was actual Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Mm -hmm. it was a Wednesday, Friday, June 7th, 1985, Goonies came out, oh yeah, and I don't know if you know this, but Jeff Cohen, who played Chunk, yes, he got the chicken pox after he got the role of Chunk, but he showed up to the set anyway, afraid that he would, they would have replaced him otherwise, so he had chicken pox throughout the whole thing? Yeah. And John Matuzak played, uh, not probably not the whole thing, but first couple of days. John Matuzak played the big guy, ogre guy. Oh. And he was a football player. Oh, and I guess in one of the one of the scenes you can see he's wearing an Oakland Raiders shirt. And that's who he played for, one of his shirts. I thought he, I don't know. I don't know what I thought. Remember John Matuzak? Do you remember that name at all? No. Okay. Well, I guess you're a terrible person then. Right. Saturday, June 8th, 1985. New number one song, Tears for Fears. What's the song? Shout. Nope. Duh. God, how could you think that? What's wrong with you? What kind of a person doesn't realize that on June 8th, 1985, everybody, everybody oh. wants to, to rule, rule the world. world. Became the number one song. Um, oh, that's so 80s sounding, too, that song. Yeah. It was written and recorded in two weeks uh, I don't care about. It. I wrote a bunch of stuff down about it. Who cares? It was about. It was originally called "Everybody Wants to Go to War," and then they changed it. No, they did. Yeah, really? Yeah, it was originally. Huh. Everybody wants to take a shit. Okay, that probably was is what it. it is. Um. Yeah, it's about everybody wanting power, warfare, and the misery it causes. Saturday, June ninth, nineteen eighty-five. The Los Angeles Lakers defeat the Boston Celtics four games to two to win the NBA championship. Okay. And the MVP was? I don't know. Is that, what What sport are we even talking about? Basketball? Michael Jordan. No, Lakers. is The MVP Magic is before Johnson. Michael Jordan. Nope. Same team, though. Six syllables. Charles Barkley? Nope. I don't even know any His other. name was Lou, Lou L. Cinder, but he changed it. Uh, um, um, um. It rhymes with Shapim Tabkul Manar. Kareem Abdul Jabbar. Kareem Abdul Jabbar. Kareem Abdul Jabbar. Yep, you got it. He was on airplane. Is that your favorite player? He was on airplane. Yeah. All right. Remember that? Yep. You ever seen a grown man naked, Timmy? That wasn't him, though. <laughs> no, it was, it was from Airplane. Henry thought that was the funniest part of that movie. Really? Yeah. <laughs> That's terrible. He loved up. He's like, what did he ask him? And then when he asked about the Turkish person, he just goes, it's just so random. And he's laughing. Yeah, it is. It is random. We let him watch Airplane, huh? That's, yeah, random is funny. Yep. And then Sunday, June 16th, 1985, mm-hmm. Falco is the number one Amadeus, song. Amadeus, yep. Amadeus, 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 Amadeus. Yep. This was the only artist whose principal language was German to score a vocal number one hit in the U.S. Boom. Can you believe that shit? 
Friday, June 21st, 1985, Cocoon came out. I don't have anything. And this was, Wilford Brimley was only 50 years old at the time. Oh. Uh, but he he had to have his hair dyed gray in order to make him look geriatric. Yeah. Uh, which I thought he looked, he's always been old. I know. That explains it. Yeah. Brian Dennehy was arrested for driving under the influence on a night out with Steve Gutenberg during filming of the movie. Uh, after a night in the local police station, he thanked the officer responsible. Mm. And Nicolas Cage was considered for the role of Jack Bonner. Which is? Probably Steve Gutenberg. Yeah. I don't think I ever saw a cocoon. I know it's probably a bunch of old people who, I don't know. They find like aliens, some from outer space and aliens, make some young. Make them feel young or something. Mm-hmm. Wilford Brimley tells oatmeal, diabetes, diabetes. That's right. Diabetes, diabetes. That's great. There's a video. There's a bunch of videos out there taking Wilford Brimley's mm-hmm. infomercials and making songs out of them. They're great. Uh, <laughs> that's so stupid. Yeah, they're stupid. Diabetes, diabetes. <laughs> diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why it's so great. All uh, right, what's next? June twenty second, nineteen eighty five. Uh, Rock me Amadeus is no longer the number one song, and it's taken over by Brian Adams. Um, probably the worst Brian Adams song I would say. God, I don't know. Heaven. Um, oh, might be in heaven. Is it something like that? Um, uh, I looked it up, and I can't. Now I can't remember how it goes. Uh, something I want to say it's something like that. I can't think of it. It was. Uh, now I'm thinking of heaven is in no, the No, no, it's not away. that. It's um. And it's a different brand. It's real slow and drummy, yeah. and oh, man, I can't even. When I listened to it, I remembered. I was like, oh yeah, it's that song. Yeah, uh, I know that's one of those. That it's just be like, oh yeah, yeah. Ugh, that's not that great. Um. First appeared on the soundtrack to the 1983 film A Night in Heaven, but mm. it was not released as a single at that time. Oh, uh, Journey's drummer played drums on it. Oh, okay. I don't care about that. Nope. Wednesday, July 9th, or no, Wednesday, July 3rd, 1985, fourth, right before a 4th of July weekend, Back to the Future comes out. Oh, your favorite. Michael J. Fox had always been the first choice for Marty, but he was unavailable due to scheduling conflicts with his work on Family Ties. But as Family Ties co-star Meredith Baxter was pregnant at the time, Fox was carrying a lot more of the show as usual, so they couldn't let him do Back to the Future. The show's producer, Gary David Goldberg, said he simply could not afford to let Fox go. Zemeckis Mm -hmm. and Gale then cast Eric Stoltz as Marty, based on on his performance in Mask. Yeah. After six weeks of filming, Zemeckis and Bob Gale felt that Stoltz just wasn't right for the part. No. And Stoltz agreed. Actually, also, Stoltz, I guess, did film the scene where he punches Biff, mm-hmm. and he uh, he punched him real hard. Oh, he really like, hit too him? hard. Um, I don't. Does he punch Biff? I thought it was a yeah. I thought did. it was his uh, dad that punched him, and he punches somebody, and they said so Eric Stoltz kept punching the guy too hard. Whoever he punched it, and they were, they were oh, pissed really? off at him. Yeah, but then he got fired, and then, um, so what happened was. Baxter was back fully on the show, and Goldberg agreed to let Fox go off and make the film. Fox worked out a schedule to fulfill his commitment to both Family Ties and Back to the Future. And every day during production, he drove straight to the movie set after taping of the show was finished every day, and he had about five hours of sleep. Oh, God. Each night. Yeah. That's a grueling schedule. Isn't that terrible? 
Yeah, somebody I work with the other day, she told me she only gets four hours of sleep every night. She goes to bed at 2 a.m. and gets up at Why? 6. Why? She, she doesn't need sleep, she said. Jeez, that would be nice. Wouldn't it be nice to just only sleep four hours and have so many more? Yeah, but... You it, could watch so many more television shows. It would be just more hours of doing jack shit, probably. Well, she probably does a lot. But isn't that crazy? Yeah. And then I always wondered what what happened to the girl who played Jennifer Parker in the first Back to the Future, and the next two, oh, it was, wasn't her. It oh, was, really? Uh, Elizabeth Shue. Oh. Uh, so it's like Marty, they had to reshoot yeah. the end of the first one into the second one because it was... But, a different uh, actress? But Claudia Wells, she had to give up... This is terrible. She had to give up her part because her mother was diagnosed with cancer. She had to take Aww. care of her mom. Isn't that terrible? I was wondering, like, what kind of a dumbass gives up such a movie like Back to the Future? But right. It's, it's because... Cancer. Jeez. It sucks. S- sucks balls. But maybe, she, I don't know. Who knows? That's terrible. Um, well, Elizabeth Shue's career is not really doing anything anyway. But Yeah. Saturday, July 6th, 1985. Mm-hmm. Phil Collins God. has the number one song again. Ugh. You're such a Phil Collins song. No. And this video for this song. Hold was, on. Nope. was also filmed in that same bar. Oh, I don't know. And he was, Phil Collins was just playing around with a drum machine. And the lyric that doesn't mean anything, it's just random words, came out of his mouth. Oh, Su- Su- studio. What a stupid song. That's just random words. He that said came random out of words mouth? came out of his mouth while he was playing around. And he said, I kind of knew I had to find something else for that word. Then I went back and I tried to find another word that's, that sounded as well as Susudio. And I couldn't find one. So I went back to Susudio. Susudio. That's so stupid. What a stupid thing to make a song about. According to Collins, the lyrics are about a schoolboy crush on a girl at school. Su-su-studio. I always wonder what the fuck that was supposed to be. Thursday, July 11th, 1985, yeah. ABC's Peter Jennings interrupted General Hospital to announce the return of Coke Classic. We already said that. Yeah, I know, but I had the wrong date. It was Thursday, July 11th that okay. that happened. Uh, and new, new Coke was actually available until 1992, though. So oh, wow, that long. Well, that's where we're going to have to just leave it yep. for now, and we're going to have to come back to the second half of 1985 next week. But for now, I feel like they're not going to have a clue about what's going on in this story of mine because it's so spread out through these all these other mur- stories. Murders. Yeah, I know. But when we come back, then then we like what? Well, we can recap. We can just, when we come back, we'll just recap. Them. All right. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to like us and rate us and give us stars and give us everything. Give us a bunch of money. Yes, rate us on iTunes. Give us a rating because we've got 14. Listen, we need more. Stitcher, follow us on Twitter yeah, and Facebook and Instagram. Follow us everywhere. For, Help what is us it? Out. History for Jerks. History for Jerks. Yeah, and we're going to do a lot more podcasts. But are we on American Timelines or History for Jerks? It's at History for Jerks and HistoryForJerks.com okay. because there's going to be several other podcasts. American yeah. Timelines is just the tip of the iceberg, baby. Sure. Especially if you all give us money on Patreon. That's Think true. of all the stuff we can make for your wonderful listening pleasure. That's true. You beautiful people. And Sherry Grace is listening. So, boom. All right. Get yeah, the fuck out of here. Get out of here, Chuck Berry. Get out of here, Chuck Berry. Get out of here, Chuck Berry.